welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on the captain of the national championship, Quinnipiac Bobcats, Zach Metza on the podcast. And uh, what a great conversation with him. What a leader he is. Uh, you know, he's somebody that's respected by a ton of people in the hockey community. So many people had some really good things to say about him, but uh, just a little bit about his background grew up right outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and played his junior hockey in both the USHL and the British Columbia Hockey League before going on to Quinnipiac, where as a defenseman, he scored over a hundred points. And so unbelievable career right there. Two-time captain. Um, and, uh, just a really, really cool conversation. So really good kid. And so before we do get over to Zach though, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey J. Hulavecchio Vex. What's up today, my man. How much broski had, uh, well, we'll lie to you guys had a tough start to my morning, slept in, missed my alarm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. First time that's happened in a hot minute. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but Kylie, like poked me in the back and she's like hey it's uh like seven o'clock and i was like f-bomb <laughs> actual word uh because i was supposed to be at the gym by like 6 45 <laughs> and then i was like you know when you like are, are like what do i do right now like you, you have what you have to with hurry. my hands yeah you have to hurry so fast and like do so many things quickly because like I was planning on having an hour before I even left the house to get to the gym today. And I just was like frozen, like what would be the one thing I should do now? And I just sat there like screaming F over and over and over in my head. I was just so angry. Obviously, I have the best guys ever. Workouts are in the app for them. They, they know exactly what to do. They didn't miss a beat. And I got there right away. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I wanted to tell that on the podcast already before we had Mets on. And then we talked about accountability uh, quite a bit in the podcast. And then also you, you and I talked with him after the podcast about, you know, his, his team and why they were so successful and won the Natty championship this year and accountability sounds like it was a really, really large piece that they all held each other accountable, held themselves accountable. So it's kind of funny that I wanted to tell that story about me making a, a mistake this morning, uh, you know, but, uh, I walked right in, I went around the room. I think there's probably like 20, 21 guys in there this morning, shook all their hands, looked them in the eye and said, I'm so sorry. And they're laughing at me. Like, you know, just chirping me, like giving it to me, like in a fun way. And they're already, you know, mid rip, they've already done the first, you know, 25 minutes of the workout on their own, which was cool to see, but, uh, you know, was, uh, just holding myself accountable here and telling the world, you know, I, I effed up. So, public but, accountability i like it yeah but the rest of the day went went awesome um so you it's because you got some sleep <laughs> honestly i slept <laughs> like two extra hours <laughs> and it's the freshest i've felt in a hot minute <laughs> hey you got to take the negatives and turn them into positives that's you know, what the podcast was all about here today that, so there that's you go right. that's right so ha happy we had Mets on today because um they're, they're good so want to talk to you about something. So today on this day that we are recording the podcast, um, Patrice Bergeron retiring from the yeah. NHL, retiring from hockey. And, you know, you kind of 
grew up in the Bruins organization. Uh, he was a guy that I know, you know, I don't want to say took you under his wing, but he was somebody that had an effect on you in, in the time that you were there. Uh, you guys had both kind of gone through some con- concussion struggles and, um, you know, shared, shared some hardship with that stuff. But like, you know, as somebody who was kind of there for the beginning of his career in Providence and Boston, you know, what, uh, what are you feeling? This guy is a legend, man. Like, I think I heard today, six Selkies, he won six Selkies which is absolutely unheard of Stanley cup winner um, captain of the Boston Bruins. I think he played 20 years in the NHL, but just like, what does it mean to you right now? Like, you know, having Dude, grown mean, up with him to, to see him retire after all these years. Yeah. I mean, I just, obviously I didn't get to play with him a ton. Like I was in camp with him, you know, for the three years I was in, in camp with Boston and got to play in a couple games with him too, but just like seeing him around the rink and being there, um, you know, in the summers and stuff like, dude, he's just, he's like everything hockey should be as a person, as a leader, as a player holding himself accountable, you know, just literally like he's the quintessential hockey player. Uh, and, and obviously the thing that I'll remember the most from my own dealing with him is my, my first camper, I was healthy. So after the year that I, I missed the whole year, my first year, the second year, the first drill we did the first day of camp was the like after shooting drills uh was like they dumped it in on in the corner and you play one-on-one and then there's a whistle and you sprint all the way down the ice to the other net and they dump a puck in and you play one-on-one down there oh, and so yeah. <laughs> i don't know if he went first so like i i always tried to go first so like maybe that's why i went against him but i was just like i was against him only that whole drill and we did that drill forever and like the whole time in my head, like, I'm just like, Hey, I'm like, Holy shit. Holy shit. This guy is so strong on his skates. Like it's insane. And then I'm also like, Holy shit. Like back then, I don't think the rest of the NHL really knew like how nasty he was. Like it, it was maybe the NHL did, but like people outside the NHL, cause he was like still a little bit quiet and stuff like that. And, and just played like such a strong game. But like everyone in Boston was all the time talking about Patrice Bergeron, like in the organization, just like, you know, be like Patrice and he's so good and leader and does everything right. He literally does like everything right on the ice. Like I've never seen someone make less mistakes on the ice ever. Uh, and, And so like, I'm thinking about that as I'm going against them too, you know, and I'm just like battling with him and I'm trying to hit him as hard as I can. And he's barely moving. And, you know, he's not that big of a guy. He's just so insanely strong on his skates. And, uh, you know, I always think about that. Like it was so cool. Like he was obviously like, like tearing me apart, but I was just like, stay between the puck and the net, stay between the puck and the net. Don't give him anything. Don't give him anything. Um, just a really cool guy. Got to talk to Freddie a little bit this morning. Uh, Trent Frederick, who played for the Bruins the last couple of years, He's been one of my clients for a while, and uh, talking to him about about Patrice too. And it was just it's pretty cool hearing. What just, did he have to say? Just like everything that we all hear, like best guy ever. Like the room will be the locker room will be different. Like great leader, you know, just amazing person, you know, all that type of stuff. Yeah, really cool. Really, really cool. I mean, just, uh, you know, you hear the stories today, you read the articles and you, you see how much he meant to so many people, not just the players, but the staff and the entire city of Boston, the entire country of Canada. He won two gold medals too. And, and, uh, yeah, it's just like really cool to see that like he's somebody that's done things the right way for so long. 
and um he he deserves he deserves like everything he's gotten he deserves some well-rested time off here with his family i think i saw he had four kids too and um yeah i just i know how how positively you've spoken about him and just our our conversations off the pod and stuff and um but yeah big day in sports with a guy like that retiring like it's pretty crazy yeah it's uh hopefully that helps out freddie's contract negotiations (laughs) (laughs) yeah a couple couple more no i'm sure (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure you know he wasn't even i don't think he was making that much money um in salary i don't know i don't even know how all that stuff works this year he you understand how it all works like the cap and the and the the bonuses and how it fits in and how guys can go up man it's like it's exhausting like all the different and then you got escrow and you got dude you got all these moving pieces it's got to be so intense I'm being, sure. uh, be, being like the people who have to make decisions on all of that stuff and so much of it coming down to strictly financials <laughs> crazy stuff man crazy stuff for sure um well this this um this was an awesome conversation with zach and um you know just for the listeners out there like i have <laughs> been the guy who like vex has been like we gotta have this guy we gotta have this guy we gotta have this guy and i'm like too soon too soon too soon too soon but like in all honesty you're a competitor right you're a competitor and like getting that far as far as we did and and you know, losing out to, to Quinnipiac, like it still stings, you know, it's, it's still stings. And, um, like, but this was, this was a, this was a really good conversation. Like, this is like, honestly, like I learned a lot. Um, I think you guys as listeners will see the things that we've heard about this kid. Um, you know, the people that I talk to in the hockey world as coaches, people that know him, people who have played with him. Um, like it's, it's one of those people who just people talk about him differently, probably similar to Bergeron, to be honest with you. He seems like somebody that just does things the right way. And like his journey is one that I think a lot of kids that are listening to this can, can really sympathize with. Like he wasn't the best at the youngest of ages and he had to fight tooth and nail to, to get through junior hockey. And then he gets to like, I don't want to like, you'll have to listen to the podcast because he tells it a lot better than we did, but this is a journey filled with a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And so for all the kids listening to this, like he is somebody that worked his way to becoming a 120 some odd point defenseman at a national championship program and, and sign a professional contract as a five foot nine defenseman, you know? And um, so I think there's a lot of people that can learn about a lot about, him and and you know how successful he's been and and why Knipiak itself is successful. They've been a successful program consistently for a lot of years, and so just a just like a really really cool insightful conversation, man. Dude, I've, I've hockey world is small. We all know that, but I can't tell you guys how many people have have pumped this guy's tires about what a good human yeah. being he is. They, obviously, they say he's a good player, but like right away they're like such a good dude such a good dude such a good person i actually already just got a text from his agent asking how the podcast went and i i said in all caps great guy and he said gold standard of a human being um you know it's 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 really cool when you have all these people that that tofa and i trust talking about you know what a good person is and then you know he wants to come on the podcast not a big deal we like to hear that too so i'm excited for you guys to hear this one with matt he's he's a great guy I'm excited to follow his pro career here too. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, before we do get over to him, we got some people to thank. First, want to thank our title sponsor, Gelstix, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Go there and get a discount on your weighted training sticks by using the coupon code THINKTANK, one word. They got hockey sticks. They got golf clubs. They got lacrosse sticks. Perfect time of year to be having a gel sticks in your hand to be able to work on your shot in the driveway, in the basement, on the ice, or in the gym like Jeff, wherever it may be. So head on over to gelsticks.com. Use the coupon code THINKTANK for a discount. Jeffrey Lavecchio, let's I go. Really hope, I really hope people are still listening to this right now because uh, gel sticks, one of the owners, uh, John Lounsbury, friend of the show, been on the show, was out here in St. Louis um, last week. And for first days, car, he's pulling out of the rink. We're all going to, you know, meet Dr. Tony. He's going to work with some of my guys and Lounsey was going to tag along. He literally gets one, one hundredth of a mile down the road and flat tire. Oh no. <laughs> on a yeah. rental, the rental car. Yeah, on a rental. Oh, so got to call it. And like, I don't, yeah, I don't think there's a spare under that. Like just an absolute shit show. Um, but man, dude, I got to tell you guys, Freddie, Freddie skated with him twice and, and some, and Shen and, and Maroon and, um, Freddie came in the gym this, this week. And he's like, dude, it is amazing what, what we did on the ice. Like it is just so impactful. Like, I'm so happy that, that I did it and I'm with them and all this stuff, which was just, uh, like, so interesting. It was really cool to hear, um, and I also think it's really cool to hear, and I'm, I'm taking a second here too, because, you know, Lounsey didn't play in the NHL, you know, Lounsey, Lounsey didn't play in the AHL and he's out there teaching guys and working with guys who are, you know, multiple Stanley cup champions out on the ice with him, uh, th- this week saying what a, you know, how impactful it was work with them and all that stuff. So just really cool. I absolutely friggin' love Lounsey. He took me to a great dinner and I told, called the ahead and told them it was his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, Lounsey. Of course you did. I just wanted to pump Lounsey's tires. Such a good dude. Such a good human. Um, So love you, love you, Lounsey. The boys did that to me this year. Really? uh, Yeah, our first uh, away trip was at Penn State this year. Yeah. And um, so, like, I get up to go to the bathroom, or maybe I went up to go pay the bill, whatever it was, and we had this little kind of private area or whatever. And then I'm like walking back to my seat, and I see everybody like looking at me weird. And I'm like, this is, this is what's going on. That something's fishy here. And I, and again, I've been on the job for what, like maybe a month and a half, two months or something like that. And then all of a sudden I see the waiter come around the corner and I hear everybody starting to sing happy birthday. And I'm like, you sons of guns. Oh my God. <laughs> you little cutie. I love the boys. They did that to you. That's awesome. That. It, was, it was really funny. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, nothing better right. than a birthday prank for sure. Nothing um, better. And yeah unshunned back to <laughs> yes i knew you would love that i knew you, ooh, steph gets it too love it all right i will get a little Andy office Bernard. quote little little office quote for you guys dwight dwight shoot dwight shoot dwight Chris shoot um shunned unshunned all right <laughs> want to thank train heroic that's what i want to thank train heroic that's the unbelievable app where all my housing all my housing oh my god i'm just laughing about dwight Schrute. get it let's all go my training programs are housed you train uh, your housing programs i train the housing player the housing moms 
Um, if you, <laughs> I do have a hot moms workout. Well, it used to be called hot moms. I changed it to hockey moms. It did better when it was called hot moms. But anyways, <laughs> that program is on train heroic who I'm trying to thank, but I'm stumbling <laughs> through this right now. So thank you to train heroic. If you're a team organization looking for quality off ice training this season, please reach out to me. I can help your players and your organization. Also want to thank Cure Nutrition. That's a CBD company I'm with. Absolutely love it. Use it twice a day. You might not know from my rumbling, bumbling, stumbling the last 18 seconds here, but it does keep my brain sharp. I do a lot of things. I'm tired. Leave me alone. Check out CuredNutrition.com. Use the discount code GMBM. There we go. And thank you to IceHockeySystems.com as well. The best site out there for all your coaching education needs. Uh, go there. And we have partnered with them to do an association's platform where you can get this for every single coach, but not just every single coach, every parent within your organization. So you get hundreds of drills. You have whiteboard explanations of system structure drills from very, very smart hockey people. But with the association platform, you get the chance to share this with everybody in your organization, put them in folders, do practice plans, share them with each other. Unbelievable resource. Uh, But also you get this for your parents as well, because the parents get the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. And so hockey directors out there, coaches out there, guarantee you less angry parents having gone through this. So uh, we love these guys at icehockeysystems.com. They do such an amazing job in putting so much awesome content out there for everybody in the hockey world. So go there, look up the associations tab and get this for everybody within your organization. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody out there who continues to support our podcast. We absolutely love you guys. You guys are the best. Continue to pump this thing out to make sure we're doing a positive impact on the hockey world. And, um, you know, if you can do us a solid and continue to share us, continue to give us ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get in your podcast today, it just helps us to, to continue to get the word out there. And, uh, we love you guys. We love you guys so much. We love you guys so much. And we are really, really happy to bring you a really, really cool conversation right now with out further ado. Here we go with captain. Quinnipiac Bobcats, Zach Metza. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. He is the captain of the national champion, Quinnipiac Bobcats, the team that beat the Michigan Wolverines in the Frozen Four. A little sour, a little sour, but I've heard some great things about this guy. We have Zach Metza on the podcast. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, you know, feel bad for you, but at the same time, like, no, you don't. I got this. Shit, so, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I am looking forward to to diving into to this year for you guys. Obviously, it was a special year for you guys at Quinnipiac and in in winning that national championship, especially the run in in the NCAA tournament and beating Ohio State and and us and and Minnesota in the finals. And I say those three teams because we played against them, you know, this year. Obviously I know Michigan well and Ohio State and Minnesota. I know how good they are. And and you guys, man, you guys did it. You guys did it. And it was uh such a really, really cool thing. Obviously it would have been a little bit cooler if we we would have won, but it is what it is. But uh excited to have you on and I uh, grew up uh, right outside of Milwaukee in Wisconsin, not necessarily a hotbed, kind of close to Chicago. Got the admirals there and stuff like that, but let's take it way back and uh, tell us a little bit about how you fell in love with this great game of hockey. It all started probably with my dad. 
uh, he was he grew up in Minnesota. He, he played D three at Hamlin University, and uh, he put me in skates pretty much immediately. I have a great picture when I was like two years old. I got like my shoes on, but at the bottom I have like a a basically a roller attachment. Like I got wheels on my feet, and I was wheeling around and put me in skates right away. We were building an ice rink in our backyard every winter, and um, that's where it really started um especially the outdoor rink like that's that was my bread and butter i would just go i i have a bunch of times where the bus would pick me up at seven to go to school and i'd get up at six my mom would tie my skates i'd go rip around just as much as i can try to be out there um you know just playing youth hockey growing up there in waukesha for the warhawks and then made the jump to triple a actually it was actually kind of wild how i ended up in triple a i don't know the exact story but when i was doing like the trouts for like mites and squirts i think i went might c might a squirt b and then the second year squirt made the b team but like there was an injury with the uh, junior admirals the triple a team out there that they had in the i i don't know if the coach at the time matt murray um knew my dad or knew i don't know how they get we got in contact with him but he called and said we have an injury like we need someone to step in and moved up from squirt B to triple A. And from there, I stuck with the junior admirals for the next, I don't even know how many years, probably 12 years. Matt Murray was my skills coach in the game, my skills, skills coach in the, in the summer and, you know, climb the slowly climb the, climb the uh, ranks a little bit. E, so, so you went, you, sir, you, was there like a two, a one, or was there a double a, and then you jumped through how many levels you jumped there? I don't know. I, 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 I know there's, we had an A team with Waksha. I don't think there's any local double a teams, but it's pretty much just, that was the next kind of jump. If you want to make the move to higher level hockey and the travel and all that, because with Waksha, we just played like local, you play in state. Um, where obviously junior admirals, you're buzzing around, you're playing all around the country. Wow. That's dope, man. Yeah. So that was, I mean, without that phone call or whatever that connection was to get me there, I, I don't know if I'd be in this position today, to be honest. Um, I mean, the junior admirals, like all the coaches and that went through there, like they basically made me the player I am today. I give a lot of credit to those guys, Matt Murray and, um Matt Medvez at the time like there was one summer he just completely changed my game Matt Medvez played at Miami um in college and it just it made me kind of way I mean made me offensive gave me a lot more confidence with the puck and just kind of went on from there played played one year in the uh BCHL one year in USHL and then made the jump to Quinnipiac when you say they made me and you said they helped me be more offensive. Like, what, what, what did they help you with? Like, what, what are the things they did? Because obviously you're sitting here, you, you know, we talked before the podcast a bit. You played in the AHL playoffs at the end of the year. You're, you're captain of a D1 team. You won the national championship in Division One NCAA. So, like, you're already, you, you've surpassed most people in the hockey world. And, and to hear that you're like <laughs> – back when I was a kid playing triple A and squirts and peewees, like those guys made me like, so what were they doing? How were they approaching you and stuff like that? Because obviously every coach, it's that goal. It's, I think it's every coach's goal to have that kind of impact on a player. 
It was, man, they, it was so much, uh, kind of the program that they've run, um, especially for the younger teams in Milwaukee, it was just, it was so much skills work you're doing. Um, you're, we had in our rink at the Pettit Center, I don't know if you've ever been there, but we oh, had yeah. the oval that goes around the Olympic speed skating oval. And we would do, I remember we do, uh, like skate and we do like an hour of skating on that oval. Somehow we get like that whole thing um, like rented out for us. And we just do like skating drills around it and work on like your edge work and all that. And then um, it, was, it was very good. And then we also had no, it wasn't really, I wouldn't say like hard systems that we had. It was just kind of like flow and reading the game. And, um, you know, if there's space, like skate to space. So like if the guy has got speed, like throw it area pass in front of him, let him skate into it, kind of like a wide receiver, like just kind of like little things like that, that they would show me, but um, just the relationship that they really built with me and the amount of time that they're willing to, um, to give to me and work on the things that I need to work on and uh, just to become an all around better hockey player. Like it's, it was, uh, that was the biggest thing for them. That's really cool, man. I mean, I think we can all kind of look back at, at our careers, especially when we were a little bit younger. And then obviously when we get a little bit older too, but you know, just having a couple people that believe in you and having a couple people that are willing to put the, the work in with you. I know none of us would be where we are today without some of those right. people. And it's interesting. You said like, you know, coaching, you can have such an impact and just like a story. So when I, um, I, I took a position as a hockey director of, uh, the Syracuse nationals a few years back. This was, this was kind of like 1920, right around COVID and really wanted to get to know the organization. So I had the previous hockey director do a little bit of a, a deep dive into the, the history of the program and like, Hey, like how many kids have we had through here that have gone on to play, you know, at some high levels and things like that, just to get a little bit of a sense of it. And it was really interesting because, um, in, in his deep dive, you know, it ended up that like we went 11 years back and in the 11 years, eight kids went to the national program, played for the NTDP. We had, I think it was 23 kids that ended up either committed or playing division one. And then another, I think 30 something kids that um, played at the division three level. Right. So it was like five kids per year that went on to do some pretty cool things. And the really interesting part that we saw from that is of those 55 kids, I think it was like 85 or 90% of those kids were coached by four people just four people. Like, so why are these certain birth year? Why? Like, it just goes like coaching is so important at the youth levels. It yeah, is so incredibly important because like all these kids had the same facilities, you know, they were playing the same schedules, all this kind of stuff, but it was these four people that developed them, you know, and instilled some passion in them and instilled some belief in them. And, and it's just like, man, I, I don't think people out there understand like how important of an impact that these youth coaches can have on people. And then there's, you know, we're just talking about from a hockey perspective, but think about the things that you learn that is going to help you outside of hockey too. Um, it's just like having those mentors who believe in you and put time in you, man, like it's an unbelievable thing. And it's great for you to, to have that Zach, because I'm sure you used a lot of those things. Um, even, playing in, in juniors and going through the ups and downs and then getting to college and going through those ups and downs. And now you're embarking in a professional hockey career. And a lot of those same things you're probably going to use for, for that too. Right. And, you know, like you said, it's also the downs. And I mean, having the support of 
the coaches that I had. Like I was drafted four separate times in the USHL and twice in the NAL. And, you know, I first year I went to Omaha, got cut from that camp. Then I went to Cedar Rapids, got cut from that camp. Um, Des Moines drafted me. They didn't call me for a month. Um, and every time like I went back, it was, you know, it was, it wasn't like dwelling on, okay, like it's, you know, oh, what was me? Like, because of this politics, blaming something, it's just like, okay, like whatever, we're just going to get back to the grants and we're just going to keep working and getting better. It's just the, you know, cause you just chip away a little bit every day and eventually like you're going to do some pretty good things. And, um, I think that really helped me. And part of the sports system too is my family was the same way. It was like, um, something bad like that happened. It was just like, okay, like sun's going to come up tomorrow. Like, what are you going to do when that happens? Like, how are you going to get better? Like, doesn't really matter. I think a lot of those things you go through, like I wouldn't similar thing. Like I probably wouldn't be where I am today if, you know, I made Omaha my first year made Cedar Rapids uh the year after that like I think in my mind every all the dominoes kind of fall in a certain way and they you know it kind of molds me and kind of made me who I am to allow me to do everything I've done totally man dude like the struggle is a necessary part for success you have to have the struggle and it it, it's you know it's brutal when you're in it but it kind of it makes you in the end it makes the the highs just so much better for sure. And and I want to go back to something that you said earlier, you talked about your support system. Like I feel the same way because as I was going through my journey um, and I've told this story before, like when I was 17, I was playing in the USHL and I had all these things going on, talking to a ton of different schools and I tore my ACL and all the schools stopped calling. <laughs> and, and like, it was crazy, but I think about my friend group and I think about my parents and I think about how they didn't let me pout. They didn't let me feel sorry for myself. And they try, look, how, how can we take a positive out of this? Like, this is a shit situation. Like this is, this really, really sucks. But like, what can we do to, to get through this? How can we turn this into a positive? And I just feel like, you know, and, and that's why we talk with kids all the time. Like I do these team building things. And the first two things we talk about are resiliency and relationships. Resiliency is a necessary attribute for successful people and successful teams. And I mean, we'll talk about it, I'm sure a little bit later, but I'm sure it wasn't all roses for you guys at Quinnipiac either. Um, and I think I remember hearing Rand on like the uh, Spit and Chicklets podcast about how you guys losing in the ECAC tournament was like the reason why you guys won. Just yeah. kind of re-centered you guys. But like, yeah, like it's a necessary part of the, of it, but you only get through it if you're surrounded by good people. Like if you're, if you have enablers around you in your circle that are kind of like blaming other people for your lack of success, like you're, you're screwed, (laughs) you know? And so like, I love what you said right there. And so like, tell me about a little bit about your support group, like, because your journey, you talked about getting drafted four times in the USHL, twice in the North American league, and you ended up playing in the BC hockey league, you know, as, as well, like for all the kids that are listening, like that's hard that's really, really hard to go through. So talk about that experience and talk about how your support group and like what they did for you to help you get through those times. Uh, well, the first, so the first year, like my 16 year old year, when you get the phase one draft in the USHL and you know, you're, when it kind of comes around to that time, you play the whole year, you're like, Oh, I, you know, I had a good year. I, I thought I'd, 
I was hoping to get drafted. Like to me, that would have been a really cool achievement. Um, and I remember watching the draft and just name after name. One one of the guys I played with, Grant Crookshank, got drafted, and um, I was like jealous of him. I'm like, oh, I want my name to be up there. I want to get called. And just you know, seven eight rounds later, like I'm just I'm past. I remember. I think I just was like crying. I was like so disappointed and and not getting selected. And my mom came down and was just like, you know, like doesn't really change anything. Like it is, it is what it is. You just got to prove them wrong now. Like kind of put a chip on your shoulder and um and without that, without like you said, the enablers. Like you don't need someone saying like, oh, it's it's politics. It's you know, it's because you're, you know, not that tall. Like other guys are getting a chance. Like I think in my mind, like that was that would be the worst thing that she could have said. Where instead she was just like, okay, like it it is what it is now. I know you're upset and that's fine. Like allow those emotions to come out and like work through those. But you know, you I probably had like I probably had practice the next day or like a skills lesson. So it was like, okay, we're just gonna keep working, like you have a lot more time. It's you're in no rush. Like there's a lot of different ways or a lot of different paths you can go. Um, and then the next year in Cedar Rapids, I think I was one of the last cuts from the, the 40 man camp we had. And it was just, I was, I was in a little better spot at that point. Um, and I felt more comfortable probably playing U18s. I don't think I would have been ready to move away from home at that time. Um, but the same thing, like my dad at the time was just like, okay, like whatever, we're going to go play U18. We're going to go have a good year and, you know, give yourself opportunities at the end of it. You just kind of, you just got to be able to put one step or one foot in front of the other, keep making the strides, doing the right things. Like, you know, it's, it's, it sucks when you feel like you're overlooked and, uh, you're not like appreciated. You don't feel like you're doing the right things, but, and I, especially now, like looking back, like there is everyone's got their own path like the top players that i was playing with when you know i was 14 15 some of them aren't even playing hockey anymore like some of them didn't really do much in college like it's just it's it's how it goes like some guys develop later and or you know maybe they for whatever reason maybe that support group um kind of keeps pushing and they just keep working while others get complacent they think they're the top dogs and all that like and you know that was that was the biggest thing for for me i had the i had the best family that i could have to put me in the right position and coaches were the same way no one blamed anyone like they kind of just held me accountable like are you doing what you should be doing are you shooting pucks in the summer are you are you fully like engaged at practices are you putting everything you can into the skate and the lifts and all that um and without that i would be nowhere I literally said it to I think it was my junior group, so my my like 1030 group. Somebody said something about losing a game or something. And I said, like, shut the hell up. Like there are no victims in here. Victimhood, victim mentality will get you nowhere. Pointing fingers gets you nowhere. You know, like it, it doesn't matter if the worst thing ever happens to you in your career okay, what are you going to do about it? Like, if you sit there and pout, I'll tell you right now, you're going nowhere. 
You're not going to move forward in your career. It's not going to help you get a scholarly or make a junior team or make the higher team or stay on the team or get more money next year. If you're a pro like victim, being a victim will do nothing for you. It always needs to go back to what can I do better? How can I do it better? Why should I do it better? And just asking those questions of yourself and like you said, and like Tove said, and like we always say on this podcast, guys, like who you surround yourself with is so effing important because as Mets is saying here, he had a great, great supporting cast. And they, you know, I'm drafted, didn't make a team, you know, sent back to 18s, whatever. It's not like, oh, you should have made it. You're better than that number nine. And no, those aren't the people you want around you. You want people around you that are going to hold you accountable, say, okay, well, what's next? What, what are we doing today? What are you going to, you got cut yesterday. What are we doing today right now? So you don't get cut next year or next tryout or next week or whatever it is. And if you don't live with that mindset, coach, player, business owner, I don't care what we're talking about. You're never going to be successful. Yeah, it's just we always talk about it at school. It was one of the pillars of that we one of the things we live by was just being accountable. Like, are you are you one holding yourself accountable? And then are you holding the people around you accountable? I think in my mind, the way, you know, especially being a captain this year, the way I kind of focused on was one, focus on I think you gotta focus on yourself first because you can't hold anyone else accountable if you're not holding yourself. Um and then just you know, there's different different ways to do it, but just connecting guys and being like, okay, like, what are what are we doing today? Like, are we doing an extra speed? Are we doing, you know, how are how are you in the gym? Like, let's have a day, let's get after it. Like, just kind of like little things, and um, I think that's part of the reason we've been so successful for so long is the accountability. Like, no one, and then whenever I should say too, whenever anyone points the fingers, you gotta, you know, kind of nip in the butt right away. Just be like, no, that's, that's garbage. We don't do that. Like, you know, it's easy to blame someone else and it's just incredibly, it's, it, it's hard honestly to be, hold yourself accountable and put the blame on yourself and uh, tell yourself what you're doing wrong and all that. But it's so necessary to have that kind of discipline. If you really it, it, just in life, I think, honestly, so you you mentioned that the accountability piece was like a big part of your guys' success at at Quinnipiac. Um and and it's interesting you say that because I think that's the secret sauce for like really special teams is that like and and especially when it's done in the room and it's not the coaches that are doing it it's it's the players that are doing it and kind of police in the locker room on your own. Um and and you mentioned that like you know you do it in a certain way and other guys do kind of the whole people accountable in other ways too because as a captain you can't just do it yourself <laughs> you know yeah. you have to have a supporting cast around you that that believe in the same things that you do and and want to hold people accountable but like that is i think it's the secret sauce of really special teams because it's so hard to accomplish like it's so hard for teammates to hold each other accountable because like at the end of the day like it just it the hard conversations are hard to have and when yeah, it's it's difficult right like you don't want to but like when I was a freshman, we had Chase Prisky as our captain and he had no problem getting in anyone's face and telling you like you were doing something wrong, you were messing up. Um, and we had, you know, I'm not necessarily the guy that's going to be screaming and yelling at guys, but we had like, for example, Mike Lombardi, who was an assistant captain this year for us. Um, he had no problem with that. Like he would in like a good way, not, not like, you know, um, putting guys down all the time, but, 
um, he was tough on guys. He would kind of, he would let them know like they were doing something wrong. And, you know, part of it too is just how you accept it. Like if you're, if you're the guy, like when I was a freshman, Prisky's telling me like my, in the gym, like my tempos are off on, on the squats or on pull-ups. Like it'd be, it's so easy just to kind of like shrug them off and be like, yeah, whatever. Like, let me do my work. But you also, yeah, I mean, you got to respect it. Like you got to be able to kind of point the finger at you and be like, okay, like maybe I, I am doing this wrong. I need to step it up and figure it out. Yeah, totally. So what was, or Vex, go ahead. I was just going to say, and and you can't hold anybody else accountable. Like if you're not holding yourself accountable, then nobody is going to follow you if you're a leader. And, and I just wanted to ask you, you know, like how tough is that too? Or is that not tough for you? Um, I think for some people that's a struggle for some people it comes naturally, but you know, like you're saying, like you got to call guys out sometimes you got. and, And I think that, you know, I always tell people that it's, it's tough being a leader or a business owner or a coach or anything like that. And especially in today's world with so many different personalities and everybody like, you know, some people are coddled, some people are spoon fed. Some people, you know, are like us who have no problem, like putting the work and holding ourselves accountable and stuff like that. Um, but I think it's so massively important as a leader to also like know how each guy ticks and, and what you need from them. So is that something that, that you found any trouble with, you know, being the captain of a national championship team. Yeah. I, well, I, I guess I'd say this year, like I didn't feel too much pressure whether it was all on me. Like we had, uh, I mean, all of our captains were, and not even just our captains, but all the fifth year guys and all the seniors that we had. Um, like we had a lot of guys that were able to hold other people accountable and, you know, some guys listen better than others. Um but for me, it was I, I've never been like in the locker room, like the most vocal guy, especially like leadership wise. Like I've always, I've always I like to think I've always been able to kind of do the right thing. Like I show up to the rink, I put in the work, I do everything um, the way it should. And um, kind of hold I, I think I do a pretty good job of holding myself accountable. Um, but you we we kind of had we had a great dynamic where it made it very easy for me for other people's other guys to step up and say something if I needed to. Um, I got more comfortable with that throughout the year. Like that was something I had to learn to get comfortable with is, um, you know, getting getting tough on guys and uh, telling them when they're stepping wrong. And um, but no, I was I think overall I was very fortunate to have the entire group and um, I you know, kind of like Tosa, but I think we do such a good job of passing, showing uh, kind of how to hold everyone accountable and passing that down to the younger guys. And then when, as they get older, they can step into the roles that, um, you know, we carried for a year or two. And um, it just, it stays within the room. You obviously get Rand and our strength coach, uh, Brajesh Patel, like getting on guys, but even, um, Jeff says all the time, like it has to come from within this group. Like when you guys are on the ice, you guys are the ones playing for each other. Rand's on the bench. I'm in the stands. Like it's not going to come from me. Like if you guys are going to get motivated and you want to do something together, like it's got to come from within you guys. And you guys got to be the reason that we have such a good culture and hold each other accountable and all that. 
Dude, that's so amazing. I can geek out with this stuff with you all day if we could. <laughs> We're going to have to keep in touch after the podcast too because this stuff, I'm like, man, it's like it's the recipe for championships, that accountability structure if you have that. And and the question I have for you is, and then I think this was one of the strengths that we had in Michigan this year too. It was a little bit of a different dynamic. We had a little bit of a younger team, but like our our older guys like ran the room. And mm-hmm. and as coaches and NAR as the head coach, like we he really made sure that the captains felt empowered to, you know, to, to do things that they thought was necessary from an accountability standpoint or, and just basically run and police the room themselves. And so like, I'm, I'm, I guess my question to you is like, you know, you talked about how some of those traditions and some of the things you, you see get passed on, you know, from the older guys to the younger guys. And and that's gotta be a huge part of the reason why Quinnipiac has had such continued sustained success for so long. But I'm wondering like how the coaching staff and you talk about Prajesh Patel, who I want to talk about a little bit later, because I've heard this guy is like the best dude ever. Um, like, um, like how does the coaching staff, and ran dooms and Corbs and Reeves when he was there and, and and everybody else there, like how do they empower you guys to do it? Is it a conversation that they have with you? Is it just something that's known now because um, it's, it's been passed down? Like how do the coaches factor into this and how do they empower you guys to have that kind of a locker room? Um, a lot of it comes from, you know, it's already established from uh, kind of like traditions passed down, but you know, beginning of every year, if there's ever an issue or something that pops up, um, you know, Rand does a great job of he'll call a captain's meeting and he'll call everyone in and be like, what's going on? Like, how can we fix this? Like what's going on? And then he basically shoves us out the door and it's like, okay, like we have a plan. Like you guys can go fix it now. Like he doesn't, unless he, unless it's really bad and he has to, he'll intervene. But we, I've been fortunate where he's never really had to while I've been here. Um, but it's it's it pretty much just comes. Um, he just empowers, like you said, he empowers us. He lets us kind of do what we need to do. Like if, I mean, it's pretty simple too. Like if you know someone shows up and to work out and they're in the they're in the wrong gitch, they don't have the right uh, clothes on. Like probably Monday morning, like I'm gonna send a text in Sunday night at 8 p.m. And it's gonna be like, okay, like tomorrow morning 6 a.m. We're running the hill. Like see you guys there. And it's just little things like that, that, um, you know, just kind of make it's, or he'll say, uh, like if, you know, someone doesn't do their study hall hours, like one of the freshmen missed their study hall hours, it's like, they'll send me a text, maybe someone missed their hours, like, you guys got to do something. And then we, you know, it's probably just another text on Sunday, like, okay, like Sunday morning or Sun, you know, Monday, like get to the hill, we're going down, we're going to run up it. Um, and then, you know, you're at the top and you, you, you call out the guy and say what they did and really hold him accountable in front of the other guys and say, like, we're not just doing this to be an asshole. Like, we're doing this for a reason because we have a standard. You got to be good in the class and you got to be, you got to do the right things in the gym, on the ice. And that's why we're going to be successful. Um, and then, you know, it helps when you actually are successful and you have year after year where you, you get wins and wins and wins and championships and all that. So, it's it makes it a lot easier for guys to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And and the fact that like, you know, you guys as older guys um have the respect of the younger guys based on who you are and what you do, because it can go another way too, right? It can go another way where you do that and you know, um, okay, six AM, meet at the hill, and then there's the eye roll. 
from the younger guys. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Like, are, you, are these guys serious? These freaking tryhards or whatever. But like, you know, you guys haven't gone through it, and and in in a way, I'm sure there's and things that you guys do to just show those guys that you really care about them too, and that they're a part of that and welcoming them into it. And and so talk a little bit about that because like, you know. It, it takes older guys. It takes younger guys. It takes everybody um, to be able to accomplish what you guys accomplished this year. How did you feel outside of like the accountability piece? You guys were able to build a culture because I, I, I still remember this dude. And like, so when we played against you guys, I, I remember it was the third period. I think you guys were up by one or maybe you guys were up by two on us. And one of the guys on your team beat out one of our players for an icing. It was, it, there had to have been like five, six, seven minutes left and your entire bench stood up and started freaking hammering the boards, just like cheering on the guy. And it's just a small effort play, right? That was so celebrated by your guys' team. And I remember looking at our video guy and being like, we're in trouble. <laughs> like, this yeah, is yeah. not, this is not a good omen because like, I'm a big believer in culture and culture wins, man. And like, that was such a culture thing for something so little beating out a guy for an icing and the entire team gets up in this 20,000, 22,000 seat arena and everybody can hear it. I'm up top and I'm like, Oh no, this isn't good. So like, how did you develop that camaraderie within the group? Um, what was it about what you guys did or what you guys value that really got everybody to buy into playing in a certain way? Because you guys have a distinct style of, of play. Um, how did you guys accomplish that? Cause it was, it was incredible. Yeah. Rand always talks about being in that example, always talks about being relentless and just like hunting pucks, like working your bag off. You're always moving. And to me, it's similar to uh, when we're in the gym uh, Coach Patel always says, "Be an energy giver, not an energy sucker." So when we're in the gym, like you're you're screaming the entire time. You're like you're doing core workouts, and you're, you know, you're supporting the guy next to you. Like, you know, I'm like you're 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 just screaming like nonsense, but you're just creating energy in kind of this environment where it's very easy to keep pushing and keep working and keep going. Um, and it it translates to the ice, like. When we're on the ice, we're screaming, guys on the bench, like any little, we celebrate any basic little thing that happens. Someone blocks a shot, someone beats out an ice and guys get up. Like we talk about making sure we have energy on the bench. Cause like, I mean, in that example too, you do it in the team across, like who's just kind of sitting there, like taking on the game of the wrestling is like, what are these guys on? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> and again, it's just one of the things that's passed down. Like, I would get barked at. I was a quiet guy when I came in my freshman year and I would get barked at for not making noise, like not yelling in the gym. I was like, I like, I'm just, I'm trying to like figure out the workout. I I don't know how to like scream and like get it going in here. Um, but that's, I mean, that's just kind of the way we've always operated. And, um, you know, if you're not making, if you're not making noise, you're on the outside and guys are going to call you out and, yeah, it, it translates to the ice and that we played high energy and high octane game. And uh, it's it's tough to beat. It's just it's overwhelming, I think, for teams. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's relentless. That's the right word yeah, for it, for sure. Um, well, you you mentioned Brajesh Patel and, and I have to ask you about him and, and especially with Vex because he's a strength coach. But like. 
dude, like everybody I talked to around your program and, and I was fortunate enough to work with Benny Sire at Cornell for a lot of years who, who worked at Quinnipiac and kind of started that program with Rand way back in the day. And just the way that people talk about this guy, this strength coach is like, people don't talk about people that way. It, there's something special about this guy. So like, you know, we'll give him a little plug right here, but like also, um, what was so special about him? And what was he able to do and what was he able to teach you guys that allowed you outside of obviously being, I'm sure, very in shape <laughs> and like wearing teams down with the way that you play, um, being that relentless. But like what was what was so special about him that allowed you guys to have so much success as well? He's uh, he's I mean, he's the best. There's no one I've ever met like him. Um, I even think probably calling him a strength coach is like. Is just completely underwhelming for what he actually does and what he means to our program. Like I, you know, we always talk about our culture and I think he is just smack center in it. Like he, I mean, he's a life coach. Like you, you can go in and learn life lessons from him. He'll, he, he's got like such a, he sees the world in such a way that is tough to describe unless you're around him a little bit. And I mean, he, when you're in the gym, like he's the one, like he's getting on guys too. And he's, you know, obviously he's great at getting us in shape and his programs are great. That's pretty much the reason I came back so I can work out with him for the next six weeks. But, um, he has a way of connecting. He is very good at connecting to people and no matter how they tick and, uh, whatever he builds relationships and he gets people to care about the program and about what they're doing and about the logo and the jersey that we put on. Um, he's extremely prideful and he cares. He bleeds blue and gold. Like he would do anything for us. And, and I think guys see that and he just kind of, you know, if you need anything like extra program, extra this, that, like he is willing, he's going to be there and he's going to do anything he can to get you into a position where you can succeed on the ice, off the ice, not even like you just, you know, even like before he's around the room, he's got all these like sayings and he's got, um, he, uh, the freshman, the team, when you're in the summer and you're all coming in to work out, he's got like a poster that's A to Z or was it? It says, uh, he's got a poster that's like A to Z. And then he's got one there's like pillars of success. And there's each one, each letter has like a sentence about something that relates to life, not just hockey or the pillars of success, like why we're great and why we pack. And he'll make the entire group like read it out loud and talk like before the workout and talk about like what it means to them and how it relates to, you know, what we do on the ice, off the ice. Um, like one of them um, off the top of my head is just, uh, it's something, it's something about energy. I can't remember exactly what it is, but then like, all the, he'll get all the guys, like just a four minute discussion, like before the workout, like, what does this mean in here? What does this mean on the ice? Like, how can you apply this in your life? And you just, you know, it's, it's little things like that where guys, I mean, just like fall in line behind them. And it's like, yes, like blind faith. Like you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. And I know it's going to help me and this team. And it's, you know, I feel like I could go on forever talking about like what he means and how special he is, but uh, yeah, he's he's the best. That's it's really amazing. cool. 
Go a lot ahead, of intention, yeah. huh? A lot of intention, like a lot of intention starting off workouts like that, making you realize and think about like why you're there, bringing you present into the moment to give everything you have. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. He's huge on, obviously, like you said, intent. He loves that word. Like he doesn't want anyone going into the gym or onto the ice and just going through the motion, just doing it because you know, the schedule says so like you go in and you have intent, like you're feeling all the muscles that are supposed to be working. You're thinking about the tempos that you're working with. Like you feel, you know, he loves when guys come in like barefoot and feel the ground and all this stuff. Like he is so in detail too. like every little detail to him matters. And it's, it just all adds up. Well, that's awesome, man. Like, yeah, like strength coaches, they're, they're everything. Vex, obviously, you know that. And it's really cool to hear those stories about Brajesh. Um, you know, me on the outside hearing some of these stories, but then getting it from you who, who is there. Um, they just have such an amazing impact. Um, another person who's a, a big um, kind of leader over there, one Joey Dume. So Dooms, good friend of mine. Um, awesome coach. I, I love how he got all the, the, you know, all the notoriety for that game winner the the face-off play against minnesota to win the national championship (laughs) Uh, but he gave me a few things that he wanted me to ask you about um here on the podcast so um a couple questions i have we'll call him we'll call him ask uh ask joey dume but uh he said to ask him about his freshman year on his birthday when you guys played against bc Uh oh uh so freshman year um obviously get there early in the summer uh, get acclimated, have a great like August and September practice. Probably, I, I mean, I earned a spot in you know the top six, and it's going all right. The first two games aren't great. Like I'm kind of on the edge. And October nineteenth is like our third game of the year. Um, I'm in the lineup, and I'm fired up because it's a home game against BC. Like they're loaded. Um, we're one of the top teams in the country. Like it's going to be just a barn burner. My parents and family fly in. They're going to watch their for my first game, or they're going to be able to see me for the first time in a Bobcat uniform. And you show up in the morning, and they got the, you know, they got the lineup all set up. You're like, I'm the sixth or seventh defenseman. I'm fired up. I'm like, like let's go. Like family's in town. Let's get after it. And then I show up for the game. I sit myself on the bench and I just don't move the rest of the game. Like did not even, you know, sometimes like as a bottom guy, you get like the garbage time in the last like 30 seconds. Didn't even get that. It was a two to one game, like tight. And I just sat there just, you know, I'm filling up water bottles. I'm, I'm trying to like support the guys doing the best I can to be a good teammate. But I'm sitting there and I'm just like, this is crazy. Like I've never had that experience. That was the first time I really, had that experience of just getting dressed and just not moving. Just, I don't even think Rand knew it was my birthday. I don't think any of the coaches knew my birthday. I didn't say anything about it. I just, you know, kind of sat there and then it's like, Oh, well, I guess I think it was funny too. I went up to my mom after and was like, Oh, like how about that game? Huh? And she just laughed. She's like, Oh, what are you going to do? Like, at least you put the Jersey on like, but yeah, that was, that was a, that was a tough one to swallow. I, I was really fired up and then you just sit there and, you know, I, I, it was almost like I didn't have to shower at the end of it. I just, it's crazy, 
But yeah, that's uh man. I was expecting like a freaking game winning goal story. What the hell? Like this is a Debbie Downer. Like the old grocery <laughs> stick. I've been the, like a one game weekend too. So my parents and family came out and just you know missed it. Just got nothing. Oh man, that's crazy. Well, it's it's also like really amazing because everybody again we talk about has a different path, but even like when you get to the higher levels like it's it's still you you got to earn your stripes and and everybody's got a different path. Like you obviously had an unbelievable their year this year, captain national championship, all these points, signed a pro contract, and here you are, you know, not playing a shift as as a freshman and dooms also said something around the fact like you had to play forward some games in your freshman year too and yeah. and like it just like it's just such a testament and that's why like man like i hate when people pout it it, it like the, the older i get and the more i do this the more i have zero tolerance for people who are poor me because like yeah. at the end of the day like these are kinds of things that make you your superpower you know like the the tough stuff and the things that you have to fight through like not everybody is willing to do that. So if you are willing to do that, you're putting yourself in a position where you could do some pretty freaking special things. And Zach, here you are, you are exhibit a, like, here's a guy that like got cut in junior hockey and drafted by these different teams. And like, you know, then he comes to Quinnipiac and he's playing forward, even though he's a defenseman and there's this game, I thought it was going to be a great story, but that's a, that that's a shitty story. <laughs> but like, you know, like you had to go through some stuff and yeah. and because of that and and I think the other thing like as a leader because you did that like you can honestly sit down with a guy that's a freshman who is going through similar things like that and you can say hey dude like I've been there too man like and and that's like such an amazing thing for like a younger guy to have an older guy to come and sit next to him and be like hey I've been there but this is what I did and this is how I got through it you know yeah I and, think that's spot on like even the year in the USHL before if you look at my hockey DB, I think I'm dash 27. I was second last in the USHL and plus minus. I almost won the green jacket that year. <laughs> and you come in and like, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew I was going to have some work to do because I didn't have the greatest year. And like I said, I had a really good summer, had good practices start. I uh, was in the top six the first game. I think my second shift, I pinched on the strong side, gave up two on one that ended up in the back of our net. And then second game, pretty much did the same thing. Like quickly, like was falling down a little bit. Um, I guess why I I didn't play at all in the BC game. It just sat there. But then for a little bit, I'm in and out of the lineup. Like I was scratched a few times and just trying to find my way, doing whatever I can to find my way in. And I remember uh, showing up to practice one day and he's got like the numbers on the board for the lineups and the lines in practice. And 23 is at forward. I'm a, I'm a fourth line left wing. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like someone's, someone's a mess. I thought someone was joking. Like someone's just pranking me like, oh, you're going to play forward today. And then I go, wow. Oh, I'm like, I'm actually playing forward. I've never played forward in my competitive hockey career. And I ended up playing 10 games at forward. I ended up being like a fourth line center but i wasn't allowed to take face-offs so i'd just line up on the right wing and one of the other guys would take the face off and then eventually like i'd end up being center if we ever got in the d zone but i think my i think my second or third game at forward i i scored my first goal against maine and 
Um, then my one my my favorite goal that year was against UMass when we played them at home. They were number one in the country. They had Kale McCarr and they were just completely loaded. And I scored I scored the goal in that game. And I'll never forget like the barn the the rink was packed. Like this place was the maybe that was one of the more packed games I've had in my career. And we got to a hot start. I scored the third goal of the game, and the crowd was absolutely buzzing. And I thought I felt like I was on top of the world. Like it was one of the greatest feelings, especially like as a you know I come in as a defenseman. I'm playing forward. I'm trying to. There was even one. There was uh, in the neutral zone. Like Kale McCarr just was. He just was coming full speed at me. Like I'm trying to do our neutral zone trap, and I just have absolutely no chance. Like. I, I'm just in completely uncomfortable where I am and I have no idea what I'm doing. I think I got off the ice just immediately. He was coming down. And I just like turned and was like, I just, I, should, I know I shouldn't be out here. Like I got no business right now. But even at the end of the year, like in the exit meeting, Rand told me like, you know, you didn't put up a fight. You didn't really say anything about playing forward. And, you know, that got you some brownie points. Like that made a mark on me and just showed me that you're willing to do whatever I ask of you. Um, to help the team and to me like obviously I wasn't gonna say no I just wanted to get in the lineup I just wanted to play so to play forward I was like fired up I was like okay I'm gonna get some ice time I'm gonna be able to you know put the jersey on and play and it ended up being great and then end of the year we had a couple unfortunate injuries and you know I was able to step in and actually play defense towards the end of the year and do fine and played you know kind of fill the role that I was needed to but yeah I mean without you know the little opportunity at forward i i don't know uh exactly what would have happened the rest of that year unreal unreal it's so important to be able to just roll with the punches in your career good bad indifferent traded doesn't matter what it is like you have to be able to roll with the punches if you want to keep you know being successful at at this level and the next you know that's i love that story i love that you didn't even you didn't even go in his office and you weren't like no, hey man I'm, I no, am i, I playing didn't. forward today you were you just took it you just threw I on did. the forward line jersey and he went out yeah, there and played forward on the jersey and just went and did it like it it's awesome i wasn't it's it's kind of not the person i am like i'm not gonna go jump at him and be like what that what the hell is going on like why am i doing this i'm a i'm defense i'm not forward like you're just like, okay, I guess I'm playing four day. I got to figure out what I'm doing. And then you, awesome. you, know, you go through the process. It's like Happy Gilmore. I'm a hockey player, but I'm playing golf today. <laughs> I'm a defenseman, oh, but playing four today. Um, well, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your run here to, to win the national championship. Is like, and you guys are competitors as, as hard as it is for me to ask these questions because, you know, when you get that far, especially for us, and, and you don't win it, it, it is pretty difficult. Um, but that the run that you guys went on through the tournament and, and I want to start in, in the ECAC tournament because, you know, listening to Rand on spit and chicklets after you guys won, he was kind of talking about how, because you guys didn't win the ECAC season, what did you guys lose? Only like four games all year, five games all year, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, a, it kind of like recentered you guys, um, to, to focus on the things that were important for you guys to have success as a team. So, you know, if you can, like, let's, let's start first with that ECAC tournament and kind of what the dynamic was in the room. Um, you know, maybe after you lost to Colgate and, and like kind of leading into that, and then we'll get into obviously the tournament and, and, the, the at the end, the pinnacle of scoring that overtime winner against uh, Minnesota, but let, let's start with Colgate here. Yeah, that, uh, 
I think leading up to it, and we talked about it a lot in the room, because um, I always said, especially this year, um, like in media and stuff, I always, and I even told the guys, like, we've won a lot, but we haven't won much. Like, saying, like, we've won a lot of regular season games. We've done great. That's awesome. But we haven't, we never won an ECAC championship. We never made it to the Frozen Four. We have a bunch of Cleary Cups, but. You know, what I really expect at the beginning of this year, what I really wanted was a white law. Because that was one thing that just was missing. The ECAC championship in the playoffs, right? Yeah. That was missing in our in our resume. And getting to that, we had such a great year, um, 20 and 2 in the ECAC regular season. Um, getting the Lake Placid where we play the, you know, the final four for the ECAC. Um, I... I felt like we were just, we were so uptight and, you know, you talk about, you got to stay in the moment and focus on the process to get to the outcome. You can't focus on the outcome. Um, I thought we, we just played tight. Like we, we didn't play our game. We were worried about losing the game. We were basically playing not to lose instead of, you know, trying to make plays and playing comfortable and, and winning and Colgate played you know, a great game against us. Their goalie, Guy Lander, was unbelievable, and we couldn't score. We're losing overtime. And in the locker room after, I no one even – I was so dejected and so disappointed. I didn't even – no one said anything. I knew I probably should have said something in the moment to kind of be like, okay, like I know we have, you know, NCAA is coming up, but, like, I, I was so disappointed that we weren't able to accomplish our goal – um, even I think one of the freshmen, Sam Lipkin, uh, was the only one to say something. He's like, Hey, like we have NCAA is like, we can, you know, remember this feeling. And I, uh, I was so disappointed in what happened. Um, and then we, I reached out to, uh, Devon and just asked him like, who plays on Colorado and just like, you know, you. You guys had a great run when you were at Quinnipiac. You made it to the championship game against North Dakota. You just won a Stanley Cup with the Avalanche. Like, do you have any insight and, like, just something I can, like, tell the guys to kind of, like, get us over this hump? Because, like, playoffs, like, that's kind of the knock against us is in playoffs. We're just – we just don't have it. Like, we've had great runs and we've had great teams over my years and we just can't get it done when it matters. And one of the things he told me was, like, you – you know, you got to make sure everyone that shows up is fully engaged and giving everything they can into what's going on in the moment. But you can't allow the outcome to control you. He said you can't, like, focus on what could happen. You just have to focus on what is happening, what's going on. Because um, otherwise, you know, you kind of like us in the ECAC, we get tight. Um, we're not playing our game. We're, we're trying to force things to happen when – we're just you instead you should be comfortable. And he just said, like me, you gotta be able all the guys in that room at the end of the day have to be comfortable like looking themselves in the mirror and say, I gave everything I could to this run. Cause it's hard. Like it is so hard to win a championship. Like out of sixty two teams, one team's gonna win at the end of the year. In the ECAC out of twelve teams, one team's gonna be the champion at the end of it. Like it sometimes like bounces happen and you're not it's just not in the cards that year, but you have to be able to look at yourself and say like i did everything i could to get to that goal if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen i can live with myself 
and we had a we had a players meeting um because i think we had a week off before the ncaa's and we had a players meeting we sat the guys down i you know i was pretty open with them i told them that i felt like i put a lot of pressure on the group to get a white law and i didn't like how we were so outcome focused like we need to be more focused on um the process like i said before and you know, I told him what Devon said. I said, I need all of you guys to commit for the next, you know, we got four four games to win a championship, four games for forever. And I need you guys when you show up to give everything you can. So when, at the end of this run, no matter what happens, you can look at me and look yourself in the mirror and said, I did everything I possibly could to give to this team, to get put us in the best position to win. And, you know, we even, we had all the, all the other guys speak. Um, you know, some guys broke down tears, like some of the fifth years broke down tears because they're just like, like, I want this so bad. Like, you know, we need to be able to make this happen. We need to give everything we got and do whatever we can to put ourselves in a position. And I think, I mean, obviously hindsight now, I think the guys got the message, but without, if we win the ECAC, I, we probably don't have that conversation. I probably don't call Devon and, um, you know, help refocus the group, just being like, okay, like that's in the past. Like it is what it is. We have something bigger to look forward to. And, you know, it worked. We showed up against Merrimack, played great and, you know, beat Ohio State and Bridgeport and just went from there. It's like moving shit, man. Like that's like, that's legit stuff right there. And, and then, and I think that's where like, you know, I, I love emotion in sports and how it can bring the best out of us and it can really like bond a group together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for you guys to, to have those, those player meetings and, and to kind of bear your soul a little bit. Um, and, and again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the podcast about like, Hey, like the tough times, <laughs> they make you. Well, they make you or break you, but they can certainly make you if you you choose to see it in the right way and and go about and and doing things to get through it. And um, there's just something very, very special about a group of people who really care about each other to come together to try and achieve a goal. And I thought we had that at Michigan too. I, I thought we had a really special culture, a really special group, and we just got beat by the better team that day. And but it's it's so cool, isn't it? To, to, to be a part of something like that, to be a part of something where everybody loves each other. Everybody's doing things for the front of the Jersey. Um, and in sports, that's, that's not easy. There's individual ego, there's agendas. People are trying to play pro hockey. And sometimes they think you need to step over somebody else to, to do that. So when you get to these higher levels and you can achieve that kind of love and camaraderie within each other, man, it's just like really special. So like with that, Zach, like take us through, you know, that goal against Minnesota when, when you guys score 10 seconds into overtime, um, and, and win the national championship, because having gone through what you went through and reaching out to Devon Taves and having those, those conversations as a group, and then to, to actually finish, just finish the job, like, um, what was going through your head? How did you feel? What was that like, you know, achieving the goal at the end of the day? Yeah, it was, well, even coming out, like, obviously we played so well in the second and third, went to the locker room after we tie it up and we just, we, you could feel it in the room where there's just so much confidence and it's like, we're going to do this. Like we're going to get it done. Um, 
And the first face off of that of that overtime actually got uh shot into our our bench. Like it the whistle stopped after like two seconds and we did again, ran the jet, and I mean we we probably run that play most of the time to start periods because it's a great just center ice draw. Like if we don't create a two on one or something, we at least have possession or the pucks down their zone and we're four checking, we're coming with speed. Um, but I didn't even see Jay Quillen coming on the backside. I hit Sam Lipkin in his spot because he was coming through the middle and he ended up like almost on the boards. So I didn't even re- in the moment, I didn't even realize Quill was. was charging to the back door beat his guy and when that puck got there and it like slid in it you know the place went nuts but like in my head like all i could hear is myself saying like holy shit we did it like we did and i think i was just screaming that the whole way down like i was it felt like i was in like shock like jay quillen's flying down the ice celebrating i don't know if you've seen the video of him celebrating but he does like the team Solani throws one glove up in the air and he shoots it yeah yeah. And then after that, he fires both his stick and his other glove into the stands. I'm chasing him down. Yanni Peretz is coming back this way. Like, it's just complete chaos. But, like, I love it because that's how it felt in my mind was just ca- completely chaotic. Like, I didn't know what was going on. It was – you get that far and, like, it's 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 a dream. It's It was unbelievable – to watch that puck go in and see, you know, all the guys celebrating and just how happy everyone was. We had alumni that flew in that were crying on the glass. Like it meant so much to them because some of them lost in 2016 in North Dakota. Or there's guys who just were here for four years and put everything they had into the program and just were so happy to see us on top. And, you know, for me too, it's kind of just a realization of everything that my five years, like, we said the the BC game right in play and playing forward and you know every year getting better getting a little bit more ice time then getting trusted in the leadership position like all that like finally came to fruition at the end where we achieved just an incredible goal like we always talk about beginning of the year we set goals you want to win I think it was six championships this year that we have or five championships and the last one's always the national championship but it's almost such a you know it's such a tough thing to achieve like it's hard to be upset if you don't get there and you don't achieve it because you can put in such a good year you can have such a good team and have everything in the right position and like i said before sometimes it's just you know a bad bounce or it's just not on the cards for whatever reason that year and for us to actually achieve it was you know it's it's really tough to describe to be honest because um you know it just you realize how much work everyone put in throughout the year and guys who stay throughout the summer, you know, the extra speed and the, you know, we were lucky we didn't have too many downs this year, but the downs we did have were crucial. Like without them, we, we don't kind of recenter and get to where we are. And yeah, I've watched that video so many times. I, you know, it, it brings back chills every time I watch it. I got chills over here, man. Like that was awesome. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yeah, it's oh, it's. I I can't get enough of it. Like even the other day, I was looking through pictures and you know just kind of reliving it. Um, and it's gonna be something that it's something that you know every group is tight. And you know I talked to the guys that I played with 
you know, before still, but it's something that, you know, it, they're going to be brothers forever. It's something that's going to unite us just for the rest of our lives. Like we'll always be the group that brought Quinnipiac the first national championship. And to me, that's super special. Um, and almost, I mean, like I said before, the alumni to me were the almost the best part, like how much it meant to them. And we were celebrating with them after the game and, you know, they're in tears and like, they're freaking out. Like they're just, that to me, like just how much it meant to other people was just so cool to see. Unreal, man. Unreal. Well, congratulations on that. <laughs> as hard as that is for me to say, I feel like crying right now too for different reasons. But um, yeah, I mean, Quinnipiac for for so long and and having played against you guys when when I was a player at Cornell, coaching against you guys um, when I was coaching at Cornell and, and just seeing all the success that, that Rand has had. And, and, um, and, and with that program, I mean, it's just, um, I guess you can call it the cherry on top, eh? the cherry on yeah, top for, for you guys and, and your careers individually for, for the program. And, and, uh, it's so hard in college hockey to have sustained success, man. I mean, between recruiting and, and it just, uh, it's a crazy, crazy game in, in, in college. And yeah, I, I applaud the the staffs and, and the programs that can continue to do it year after year, after year, after year, after year. And, um, just really, really cool to be able to get on the inside with you here today and, and not only talk about your journey, um, because I think there's a lot of players and especially younger players that'll hear your stories and light a fire under them um, because it didn't happen for you on your timeline. It rarely ever does, does it? <laughs> like no, You, you got to no. go through the ups and downs and, and um, I'm just, uh, you know, from everybody that, that I've talked to that, that know, yeah, you know, I, I think you got a lot of, a lot of fans out there and you got a lot of people who care about you. A lot of people are really happy about you and uh, as devastated as I am that, that we lost to you guys um, happy for you to, that you achieved your your dream of winning a national championship and um yeah big big things ahead too so you got pro hockey coming up next you know you signed with the rochester americans and played their um you know their playoff run with them this year and uh so maybe to end this off here just talk about how excited you are for for the next step and play pro hockey and eventually hopefully get that dream of playing in the nhl yeah yeah it's it was great last year being part of the playoff run like you know, it's everyone dreams of playing in the NHL and playing pro hockey. So to me, especially in some of the times I've had, like I didn't always, it was something you always wanted, um, but you never knew if it was actually really that realistic or really going to happen. Um, so just for me that all the work that I put in and just kind of sticking to it to be able to, you know, show up in Rochester and be able to say like, I'm a professional hockey player now is you know, a dream come true. And hopefully it's just the beginning. Like, you know, obviously I'd have a dream of playing in the NHL and having a pretty solid career. So um, I think last year in the playoff run was a great little uh, way to kind of dip my toes in and get some experience and uh, kind of kickstart me into the summer and, you know, the training and just kind of showing me where I need to be and the kind of level I need to be at day in and day out to, achieve the ultimate dream of playing in the NHL. So I'm really excited up, excited to be part of the, uh, you know, Rochester Americans at Buffalo's organization and a lot of great people out there. So excited to get back to. 
I can't wait to follow your journey, man. You just made me want to go work out for the 50th time today. So I'm, I'm pumped <laughs> right now. <laughs> Toph will get his first one in, in, the, in this year. So, oh, you know man. what? You know what? You know what, Vex? <laughs> Next it. time you see me, I'm going to be jacked. Let's go. Let's go. Man, I'm excited to follow your career, brother. Are you going to, uh, you going to NHL camp? Rookie camp? Uh, I don't rookie know. Journey? I- I know I'm going to the uh, the Prospect Challenge um, cool. in Buffalo. Awesome. And hoping to, you know, have a good showing there and then an invite to Buffalo's camp and go from there. Awesome. That's awesome, bro. I hate that word, hoping, though. I'm a big fan of I will. Hey, I, I will, I will yeah, have a good showing. That's not any, uh, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put in the work. Yeah. Be ready. So there it is, baby. I, you know, I, I don't want to. Say I expect to. Uh, yeah, no, it's not cocky. Just saying, I will put it out in the universe, make it happen, no, I, bro. I wanna, obviously, I want to sh- put a, a good showing and get that invite. So that's kind of the that's the goal right now. That's kind of the motivation when I show up to the gym. Hell yeah, dude, go get it. Boom. Well, best of luck, man. Thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us here today. And uh, yeah, like Beck said, really looking forward to uh, to, to tracking your career and see where it goes. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. It was a long time coming. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs>